This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Three, two, one. Happy spring break, Murder Chronicles Nation. I hope uh, that you're not going too crazy with your kids at home and get them into a camp or just loosen up on your screen restrictions and let them veg out for a few hours and listen to our show. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not, speak for yourself, we're not on spring break. You're not? It's actually snowing here in in Seattle right now. Oh. It's well, snowing it, yesterday. It's very nice in Los Angeles. It's been a long, cold, and, and very rainy winter here. Um, I think we're coming out of it. It's very windy today and, and a little cold, but sunny. At least there's no rain. Um, and my kids mm-hmm. are on spring break, uh, day one, and they're driving me fucking bananas. But mm-hmm. that's how it goes, I guess. Um, that's, that's how it rolls. Yes. How was your week? You doing all right? Doing good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of plates in the air, a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire as it were. Um, so, uh, I appreciate, um, and look forward to, uh, this kind of hour of an oasis that I get each week to talk to you. Oasis. Oasis. I love that. To hang out and, um, but you know what? I mean, about murder. Sorry. What? I'll take the compliment. Yes. I'm going to take that as a win. Good. And, but 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 I know I love having a million plates in the air and I know you do too. So Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, it's just I got to find my I got to find my zen, you know. I I I not that I'm generally a large proponent of of, you know, eastern philosophy, but but I read this thing once that uh that Buddhist monks appreciate uncertainty to the point where it's like a state of ecstasy for them because that means that anything at all is possible, including the best possible things that there are, you know? I um, that. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's really, really difficult for me to lean into that and, and to, and to adopt that, that, that perception, but um, I'm trying, 
I'm trying because there's a there's a lot of uncertainty in my life right now. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to. Well, why is it difficult for you to do that? I mean, it's just a nice thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, what? what yeah, it's an, I, I find it hard. difficult from a from a perspective of of a husband and a father. Right. And about a pro- and being a provider and all that, you know, when things are in flux like this, like, you know, there hasn't been a day since my kids were born that I haven't worried about providing for them, like not one second that has gone by, mm-hmm. you know, even when I'm flush, especially when I'm broke, but I'm always, I don't know, I'm difficult. It, it's, it's hard for me to, to, to relax into, into the good times, you know? Because I know it's no, I think that I mean I don't I don't know I don't want to just say it's a male thing because I I feel that same way but I can see my husband my husband feels that pressure too and and I feel different pressures but I do feel that also but but I get it I mean it's it's tough yeah you know so it is it it feels like a um it sounds like it feels like kind of fluffy cotton candy to be thinking about Zen when you're like, Hey, I got to, I got to, yeah. I got to provide. Yeah. Listen, and it's been, it's been worse before, you know, mm-hmm. to be sure it's been worse mm-hmm. before and it's been better before, you know, but it's just, you know, gotta, gotta stay, gotta stay sharp, gotta stay focused. And, uh, you know, Springsteen said it hard times come and hard times go just to come again. So, all right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So what do you think about this? I'm so curious to hear what you think happened. First of all, in this case, I'm disgusted that there is still a profession uh, of trapping. That disgusts me. Disgusts me. (laughs) A line of traps. He keeps a little, a small caliber gun to preserve the pelt. I mean, look, I get it. I get it. People grew up differently. People grew up hunting. People grew up whatever. I, it's just, I, I mean, fuck that, right? We're, we're in a civilized society where you don't have to trap animals and have them suffer until they get a fucking bullet in the head, right? I, I personally, I think it's well, a bridge I- too far to say, well, that's how they were raised. They're frontiersmen. No, you were frontiersmen 150 fucking years ago on the Oregon Trail, okay? Not now, living in fucking Seattle, where you could go to Ralph's. Uh, I, I just, but so that, but anyway, we, we, I, I, I yeah, vacillated, I vacillated between adding that detail, but it was important to know because of the gun. Like, oh, it's important to the story. Have that gun with him. It's important to the story, but it was like, you know, the pile of these pelts. Yeah. And I know, you know especially if he's not using them. For food, and he's just taking the pelts. That's the part that I feel like, like all you know, of it. Gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take- I know all of it. I read this great. I mean, book, I'm right? like a huge. I can't say that I feel exactly the same way because, like, I watch a lot of like I love Naked and Afraid, and I love mm-hmm. those types of nature, sh- not nature shows, but like reality shows where people are put into really extreme situations. Yeah. And like when they catch, when they are able to hunt in the most rudimentary fashion, like with air, with a bow and, and stuff. And it's not like some AK-47, you know, basically taking down Bambi. I feel like, and they're so grateful. You've never seen more grateful people who are like, thank you so much for your sacrifice to the animal. And, and like, they are eating every single last bit, making shoes out of the, you know, right. I get you know, it, Carolyn. I, I get yeah. it. But also, but but there is 
a very obvious distinction to be made that that is for all intents and purposes faked for entertainment. I'm not saying that what they're doing is fake. What I'm saying is at any time they can say, I'm out, take me back to civilization. And they're eating ice cream and craft service in 10 minutes, you know? So, and that's what, and that's what makes it so amazing when they don't do that. That is sure. what I love. Actually, because there's a payday the at the end. That's the line that I absolutely say all the time because one of these characters was like, he was getting these eels and every time you knew he was gonna, he knew he had the, he had the skill to get these eels and he yeah. did. And he's like, this is what I live for. And it's like. <laughs> right. There's also a payday at the end for them. Right. Cause it's on TV. They're not doing it for nothing, you know? Um, no, but they have to have earned the skill set to be able to do that. Yes, yes, absolutely. I read a great book by James Michener called Centennial, which was about um, basically uh, it's like the Oregon Trail and the settling of the West and the frontier. And it's told over over decades and over several different points of view and several different generations of the same bloodlines. Um, and, and there was this French-Canadian trapper, Pasconeal. I never even knew how to pronounce his name. And so, and you learn all about all all the dirty details, how difficult it was, how necessary it was to survive, you know, how, you know, the marauding bands of Native Americans that were coming in because we were, you know, raping their land and, and, and over hunting and over trapping and which we fucking do because we think we deserve it. Um, but so just reading that book and, and, um, and there was no point of view. If you read Michener, there he he doesn't, there's no judgment in his writing. It's just, it's just this is how it was. You know, and and you're you're yeah. left to kind of form your own opinions. And my opinion was that it was that I was disgusted by it. Um and that it still existed or still exists now. There's still people who do that. You know, it's like bear baiting, right? For these oh, like that's that's, right that's like, like what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, it's just so fucking ridiculous. But um, but anyway, so that my personal opinion on trapping, uh, notwithstanding, um, I don't know what happened, but I know that I was riveted, riveted by them trying to find out what happened from a two and a half year old, right? And these yeah. utterances that people that that writing down, and then the clinical psychologist trying to put pieces together and stuff. That was that was very very well structured and well researched and well written by you so that was that was super cool but um so mommy in the trees is is terrifying you know mm -hmm. that was that was really strange but but the, the the first thing that jumped out to me was it reminded me of of of, of a guy that i know um the guy who found the body who was there to let his dog kind of run around right and the dog like goes out running, running about it. And the dog finds something. He goes, is that a deer carcass? Is that a truck? Something's fucking weird. I'm getting out of here. And he retraced his steps okay, <laughs> and got in and took off. I used to work with a guy and, uh, and we were going on a vacation, a camping vacation to Joshua tree, which is a very, very popular national park. And you can camp there and it's gorgeous. And, um, and he's, <laughs> This fucking guy, he's like, he goes, oh, I go to Josh Street. He goes, don't use garbage cans out there. Hike, you know, don't leave anything behind. Keep to take all your trash with you. And I went, what, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, dude, 
You don't know how many times a body shows up in the desert. The cops have no leads and they just go through the nearest trash can and pull a fingerprint off a soda can. Next thing you know, boom, you're in jail for murder. Well, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> wow. That's like yeah. a new level to, hey, how you doing? Being really super uber fucking careful. But now every time I go somewhere, that's on my mind. I'm like, okay. Great. You know, it's that Sherlock Holmes thing. Every time you go somewhere, you leave something behind and you take something with you, even if you don't know it. Right. And I'm like, did I, I leave? Yeah, because somebody's probably watching you do this and they're like, hey, it's so great. Brandon's environmental. It's like, no, he just doesn't <laughs> like, want to no, leave dude. his DNA behind. <laughs> they're not, they're not, I'm not getting railroaded on some trumped up fucking murder charge. Fuck off. Yeah. It's, it was crazy. It was crazy to think about it. But that's what I was thinking about this guy. Um, uh, and so, so I like this detective, this detective that you were speaking to, he, he has a conclusion like in his mind. He thinks he knows what happened, um, which is, which is fine. Yeah. Um, so, and, and what I liked about it also is that you kind of buried the lead about um, Reamer being a domestic abuser, right? Like I didn't really get that until about halfway through the episode you know, where they were in this really violent relationship, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And there were threats made and, and all that. Um, but so finding the kid roaming around in a Walmart, Kmart, sorry, it was Kmart, right? Kmart, that was the Walmart yeah, of the 80s. Yeah, the Walmart of the 80s. <laughs> <was Kmart>. um, <laughs> so how do you think she got there? Yeah. I know, I know you came to a conclusion at the end, not, not a conclusion, but you I, offered some, some theories. Um, how, how do you think she got to the Walmart? Every, the thing is, is that every time I think, I think of it, then there's something that makes me think, well, wait a second. Wait. So I don't know, but I don't, I feel like I'm leaning toward. I also think that there's this bias that we have that we want to make something grandiose when it really is the saddest thing, which is the dad probably, you know, murdered his partner in front of his daughter and <clears throat> dropped her off. But then how would he get the truck back to that place? Yeah. You know what I mean? If he were to yeah. take her to Kmart and, and even the detective Beal was like, that truck didn't go anywhere. Right after whatever happened and then you're thinking well what if he did kill her somewhere else but then why would he stage the whole thing you know why would he and then and then go a quarter of a mile away and then like so i don't know I, that's what's so maddening about it where it's right. like you know the the statistically if we're statistically speaking he would have done it he would have killed her you know um yeah but but there's just too many like weird and then the other double homicide and right the circumstantial that's where my like friend is putting his hand up Whoa. that's where my mind goes that's where my mind goes um because kind of i know detectives police don't like coincidences um but we'll get to that in a second so well we can get to it now i guess so what carolyn's talking about here is the possibility of a serial killer that was that was on the loose. Hold on, I have to close the door. Frankie, turn that down. Um, what Carolyn's talking about is the possibility that a serial killer was on the loose and uh, 
was responsible for not only this double homicide, but for a double homicide from four months earlier from in the summer. Um, and the evidence pointing to that, I think, is pretty strong, uh, especially the fucking tube sock. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. rocked tube socks in the 80s. I mean, <laughs> I had some that went above the knee when I was. Oh, my gosh. You're yeah. a real high achiever. Oh, my <laughs> Absolutely. goodness. Oh, oh hell I yes. You know, I did, too. You oh, know, yeah. like my roller skate. And yeah. I mean, I saw that. I'm like, of course, it's a serial killer who loves tube socks. I mean, that would make sense. But well, because it's because what? Because I mean, to your point, we all wore tube socks in the 80s. Everybody was wearing tube socks in the 80s. So if I'm a serial killer, I'm like, okay, I don't have to bring a weapon with me because I know how to use a sock. I'll just use the sock that they have. And two different medical examiners came to the same conclusion about the use of the sock that it wasn't what killed them. It was just a tool to either keep them from moving or to drag the body, but that wasn't the right. Um, Yeah. So that that's an MO that's a modus operandi for a killer that you can, you can start to make uh, a profile Mm -hmm. based off of that. Right. Like, here we go. Um, and also, fuck this guy. Shot, shot someone's dog. I mean, you gotta, you gotta kill the dog. You don't have to kill the dog. More murder chronicles after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, you, you're right. He didn't yeah. have to. The, it's an interesting. I had a, a, a interesting interview with an FBI agent once who kind of explained this to me, and it made sense. There's two things. There's the MO, modus operandi, and then there's oh. ritual. And the yes. modus operandi is something that's kind of flexible where you can, you don't have to do it during whatever crime you're committing. What do you mean? But Ritual is something you have to do. It's like a, you know, they feel like they have to do it. It's a part of them getting off, right? So it's like they have to administer pain in such a way that could be considered a ritual, you know? Um, But an an MO is flexible, like how they actually kill someone. It could start off with a tube sock. It could start, you know, as a strangulation device, but or it could be like the Night Stalker. He brought all of those. That's what I was about to bring up. Right. Yeah. That makes it easy to kind of understand when you think about his MO, which changed constantly. But there were some ritual things that he needed to do, which was, um, you know, basically making his victims feel like crap. And I mean, that's like a... I mean, what he did was so terrible, it's beyond making him feel like crap, but he had to do those things in order to get off. So a ritual needs to be mm-hmm. present more than an MO for police mm-hmm. like purposes. Like if the if the ritual is consistent, but the MO is different, they can still kind of draw a conclusion that it's the same person. 
Well, that's why they they that's why they kind of, you know, Gil and the Night Stalker, he saw it very clearly like, yeah, this person could have a five year old victim and a 90 year old victim. Right. Right. Normally they would say, no, the serial killers stay in their lane and they have a type. And he's right. like, no. So it's like there's the M.O. Which can change depending on how everything rolls down during mur this murder. Right. But the ritual is something they can't they have to do it. Yeah. You know, they yeah. have to do it. It's like a fingerprint almost, the ritual, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. It's fucking super cool. So, serial killer, perhaps, tube sock, really, really interesting. Um, and then let's get to them talking to the girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and I just got to hang a lantern on another bravura acting performance where you, as a two and a half year old girl, that was great. You put me in the moment. I'm joking. <laughs> I can never. I'm glad that my choking is causing you to. Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> okay. What's your, what's your Buddhist thing? um i don't okay. remember i don't remember right. breathe okay um, yeah yeah bravo it was great thank you uh, uh and i don't even like thinking about what this girl actually witnessed you know mm -hmm. um <clears throat> but it was really interesting seeing the 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 how they did it seeing the procedure right like a toy truck yeah. and here are three dolls and here are two stranger dolls and here's this and here's that and and you know, making it really accessible and and comfortable for the little girl, um, and and to hear the detective say kind of with some disdain how things have changed. Well, back then we'd have five meetings with her. Today you're lucky to get one. Like all of that, like how police work has kind of evolved, in his opinion, mm -hmm. for the worse, devolved. Mm -hmm. I guess you should say, with with regard to accessibility to 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 young witnesses. Because this girl, she'd be what forty now, maybe thirty five. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I think that like she, I think that he was very mindful of, of her, but I do think that at the end of the day, I think that basically what they're saying is the first interview is the best one. The cleanest. Right. And we can, right. And we can see that in the case that we just covered with uh, Brooke in the, um, you know, where she said her voicemail message, which was, Somebody killed my grandma. Killed that grandma. was the very first one. First thing that's the, the cleanest. Right. Yeah. Without any influence, right. free of any influence from outside sources. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good so, point. So I, yeah. And I think that because she went missing for a couple of days, they missed that time, that window where it was like, if they, if they would have known the right questions to ask, but they didn't know that the parents were missing. They just saw this Jane Doe. You know, she was considered a Jane Doe, you know, and so they lost that time because the grandma didn't find out for two days later, you know, and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So the recounting of the events from Crystal was, was, was harrowing and was, was, was tough to hear. And I can imagine even harder for, for the detectives because it's gotta be a emotionally difficult to hear a two and a half year old girl having to tell the story, but then also 
from a from a, a a police work kind of point of view, from a clinical point of view, to try and put the pieces together and see what's true and what's not, and try and decipher the mind of a two and a half year old that's obviously traumatized. That had to be incredibly difficult, and obviously they couldn't reach any any debt definitive conclusions from it. I know. I mean, how frustrating. You know, I believe that she was there. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that that Crystal witnessed because that was a like because she kept taking the clothes off correct i mean yeah and and just like the blood is on the windowsill and then they said that when they were going through the truck they there was blood how would she know that yeah if she wasn't there i agree yeah yeah i mean i feel like but then it's like how did she get there how did she get to the kmart you know what i mean i have a theory I can't. That's what I've been waiting to hear. What is it? What do you think? I'll tell you in a second because I haven't gotten to my favorite part yet. Okay. Okay. My favorite well, part me, of wait, this. Wait, let me just let me just yes. put a let me just get to to your point. The forty pages was was really 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 difficult yeah. to hear, and I just kept imagining one of my kids being in that position, and and it just it's heartbreaking. What whatever happened to her was so traumatic and then having to relive it in these interviews. And when she was like hiding in the back of the car, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's heartbreaking. So yes. I just hope that she's, she was young enough that she's forgotten about it by now. You know, I think she good. It doesn't really cement in her brain because my daughter was really, really sick when she was two years old. And had to go through a bunch of awful tests where I was like, had to hold her down for like blood work and stuff. And and she doesn't remember any of it. And it was so incredibly traumatic for me. Like I remember every fucking second of it. Right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and she's like, doo, 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 doo. no, I don't remember being here, daddy. Like all that. I'm like, so happy. Um, so hopefully she was young enough where it, it's, it didn't anchor really into her brain. Um, uh, but so my favorite part, what do you think my favorite part was? Hmm. You know, that's why I want to know because I don't know what your favorite part is. My favorite part was how they determined how long ago Reamer had died. Oh, tree- wait, I knew it. That was, of course, <laughs> with the, the tree root. The yes. tree branch growing through his jaw that they were able to cut and count the fucking rings. I'm like, yeah, it's great. I mean... Isn't that such a Pacific Northwest thing? <laughs> the trees <I> mean, <laughs> speak, right? And they did. They totally did. I they mean, totally as a, I will say, I am a, a tree hugger completely. Yeah. I mean, I named my son after one of the redwoods, the the Grove of Titans. His name is Titan. Oh, and nice. it's like it's a great I tree. Freaking, it's it's a they're my favorite trees. Like I named my daughter anyway, Sinatra. Her name's Frankie. So yeah. <laughs> Kind of same kind of like special New Jersey thing. Yeah, he's another Titan. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I I just love that. I mean, how amazing because they wouldn't have figured it out any they other way. Figured it out. Yeah, because after decomp is done, right? I mean, like within like a year or two, you know. I mean, it's minus it could be two years, it could be twenty years, but they got this tree branch growing through his face, right? And they're able to count the fucking rings. That was really, really cool. Like that, I was really happy about that. And um, and also um, to bring New Hampshire back into it, my my grandparents lived on this big piece of land in Southern New Hampshire, 
with just like entire realms of these hardwood forests that every few years they would have different acreages logged, right? So I know what they were talking about when they're like, all right, this has changed so much in 25 years. It went from tree stumps to these big majestic trees. Like I, I've, I've seen that happen. So, and the, and the topography in the landscape changes dramatically. So going back 26 years prior to when the event happened, would be different than going there when they, when they found his remains, you know? Um, so, and they were also about, you know, uh, in the mountains and in the wilderness, how the crow, crow flies being different from actual travel time to a place, you know, that's mm -hmm. a, a huge, huge difference. Um, but so, so where I land with this is kind of like, uh, cause you know, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like most of the time, right. I'm a, I like watch the news and stuff pisses me off and, you know, and I remember things. And so bringing it a little bit more current. Yeah, that's how you describe yourself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm just being honest. The, to make it current. Okay. With mm -hmm. the, um, Gabby Petito, Brian laundry, that piece mm -hmm. of shit, right. Who killed his girlfriend. Okay. And then what did he do? he drives somewhere and tries to get his mom to make him feel better. And his mom covers up for him with the lead blah, blah, whatever. And then he goes and kills himself in the fucking swamp. Okay. Like a coward. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm landing. Although I really want it to be the serial killer thing. It's what serial killer is going to leave a witness, even in a two and a half year old little girl, like, unless the serial killer was finally after four bodies was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Here you go, little girl. See you later. And disappeared and got away with it. Perfect crime. We'll never know. I think a, a likelier scenario is that it's the dad. And that the dad drove the truck there, killed the mom, had a massive attack of guilt because he saw how it affected the little girl. Seeing his flesh and blood cowering in the back and the mom's blood fucking everywhere. And he goes and drops her off at Walmart. Okay. And then drove back in those in a way where he could still see the scene of the crime. Because remember, back then there were no trees. Even though he was a quarter mile away, he could probably still see where it had happened. Kind of like Tommy Sullivan in the Jersey Devil, right? Where he found a vantage point in the woods across the street where he could see the house burning down. That's where he killed himself. Mm -hmm. And then to the detective's point, all we know is that he didn't shoot himself because the skull was intact. But then you remember he said very tellingly, he said, could have cut his wrists. We'll never know. And did some way, took his know, life some way in the woods and I killed mean, himself. I think if you look at statistics, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I hear you. I hear you completely. But statistically, he would have shot himself in the head. That's what men do when they take their own lives. Not all of them, of course. But they never but found the gun. So the gun wasn't any prime method, I think. But the gun wasn't near the body. Right. And I know exactly. And then if, okay, so he has a Christmas tree. Is he really going to slash his wrist with a Christmas tree? You know, those are kind of weird looking things. Uh -huh. Like it wouldn't be easy. Literally tear into like that's. I just don't buy that. Well, Where, where's I, the gun? Have you, ever you know, if he done that, I, it would have just been like. Have you ever cut down a Christmas tree in the wild? With a saw specifically. Yes, made to, all right. With a saw specifically. Yeah, they they made, have, they have, don't get out of here. No, no, no. Yeah. With a saw that's made to cut. Yes, they, they have Christmas tree farms where rips you go. It rips right through it. It rips right through it. So if he is skilled with that saw, 
He can just go one slice and his wrist is open to the bone with one slice with that saw. So what I'm saying he could do it if he, and he's obviously knew what he was doing. This guy just liked killing things, trapping animals, killing fucking trees. What I, this guy's, this guy's the worst, but, um, and then, so that if I don't see a third option, right. You could make a, you, you can make a case for the serial killer option. And then he just got away with it and stopped doing it. Okay. Um, which sucks. Or that you could make a case for, for it being the husband or for being the dad who did it and then and then committed suicide. How else would his body be there? Like, unless the serial killer, for whatever reason, had two drop sites really, really close together at the same time. Unless like well, what? the husband was able to get away and he caught up with him there and overcame him and fucking killed him there. Who knows? Maybe that, you know, there's options, but um I think I think that 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 the that the dad did it, the boyfriend. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, what about the strangers that she talked about that that were not prompted? And what about like what if he ran away? What if Mike ran away? Like that happened and then Mike ran away and then the guy chased him. You right. Know? But so then is that more of the is that the serial killer avenue that you're driving yeah, down that's, right now? That's yeah. the serial <laughs> I'm just trying to make it set, make sense. Like, I just don't, what if he was taking the Christmas tree saw mm-hmm. and he, I mean, why would he take that with him? If you were going to go and ponder what you'd done, right. And sit by a stump. I mean, wh- why would you walk that distance to do it? I mean, I would feel like you would just sit right down and be like, wow, what did I do? Uh-huh. I, I just don't. Yeah, I know it's a mystery. It's a mystery, but it, it's. I don't place a lot of, a lot of emphasis on a two and a half year old talking about strangers that may or may not have been there and at, at a traumatic time. Like I'm not sure, right? No, agreed. I totally agree. Yeah, Completely. like it could be like maybe she'd never seen her daddy like look like that and thought he was a different person for a second because he had this rage on his face. Like who knows? It could be a lot of different, a lot of different uh, uh, examples of that or, or possibilities for that. But but yeah, the, the distance between where the bodies were found is definitely uh, no clue. Right? It's a mind bender. You know, um, and we'll never know because 26 years, but you know, what was, what was really creepy was that because it took so long to find Reamer that there was that fear he could come back at any time and just yeah. wreak the havoc that he was. That's, that's fucked up. I know. Right. To live like that in fear for so long when you had no reason to be. Yeah. That's sad. I know. I know. Ugh. I know. Ugh. And that's some real fear. You know, that's that is no shit. Dead. That is real, real fear, especially, you know, because the because the, she was dead. So, you know, he's he's a murderer. You have it in your head, and he's might want to tie up loose ends or he might want to whatever. I mean, that's just man. Uh so where does the case stand now? Is it it's, it's a cold case? It's still open? It's a cold case. It's still open. Like the, the one in Pierce County. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening with that, but um, I mean, they had to do a lot of stuff with his DNA because I guess Mike Reamer 
the bones were so old and the way that they, they didn't have all of them and they had to get his DNA first, but he didn't, his dad had already died. Right. And so they didn't have a sample. So they had to go through a lot just to get, I mean, I think they, they used his teeth and right. then they're, they're like, okay, we need a sample. Anyway, I just feel like it, it wasn't clear cut at all as far as the DNA and maybe, maybe they have more stuff to test. Um, but a lot of the witnesses are, are, I know her family her, her sister and her mother i know they're still alive and obviously crystal um but a lot of the witnesses you know it's the older the case goes the yeah. more um so where's crystal know. now what happened to crystal who raised her the sister uh i think the grandma raised her and yeah. you know she's an adult now and he said she doesn't want to have anything to do with the case which i uh, completely understand you know doesn't she know that we're doing a podcast <laughs> I'm sure she would make sure not to listen. I mean, this is like the most traumatic thing. I mean, yeah, we're no. we're looking at this, and I know you feel the same way. We're we're just oh, of course. Talking. But I'm saying, like, like to what I was saying earlier, she would probably listen to this just as an interested observer, not remembering. Oh yeah, I remember being two and a half and going through those those five sessions with the clinical psychologist. She would, wouldn't remember it, you know. I, I listen. It's not that she would find it interesting because it's about her fucking mother and father being dead I, I so i was you know half joking when i said she'd be an interested observer but what i the, the point was that she wouldn't remember it she wouldn't be listening to it and and reminisce about that time in her life i hope anyway um but no she wouldn't obviously um i just hope that she's was able to, to is able, able to live a good happy life despite this that's how i felt too yeah. i mean especially after listening to what she said and what, and, and I mean, it's in there somewhere, Brandon, yeah. you never kind of, I believe, unfortunately, trauma that children go through, it sticks with them. Um, so does the good stuff you know, though. So does the good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, it manifests itself in other, in other forms and, yeah. you know, hopefully she's gotten some therapy and, um, you know, that's a lot for a kid to go through. And then having this thing hang over, over their heads. And I'm sure she was really close with her aunt. I mean, I'm assuming she was, sounds like she was when she was little and, um, you know, the terror that the aunt was going through thinking, Hey, this guy could come back and get, you know, I mean, it's terrifying yeah. and she's the living witness, you know? So I think that there's lots, lots there. And I hope that you're right that she, I mean, I hope that she's living her best life. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yikes. All right. Well, um, that was, I almost said that was a fun one. Uh, not fun like yippee, but fun like with some of the investigative techniques that that were brought to bear to to figure mm -hmm. some stuff out, especially the, the tree branch growing through the guy's face. Yeah. That was so, at least we know where he was and we know he's been sitting there. For a like long fucking time. Yeah. 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 So that was, um, that was cool. That there's was really that, interesting. You know, yeah, that was, that there, was really. Nobody really... moved him. Go ahead. Sorry. I said, we know that nobody moved him. He was there because there are serial killers who will move, yeah. you know, human remains. And we know that that's not the case if it was a serial killer, which, you know, probably most likely wasn't, but. Yeah, there was some animal activity. No. There was some animal activity dragging parts of his body around in 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 the in the area. Um, 
but we know that his face was right there for 25, 26 years. Count the rings. <laughs> it's fucking so cool. Count, the, um, count those rings. Yeah, I know. Wow. All right. Well, hey, great job. That was uh, that was great. Um, uh, and uh, the episode is is out now. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Episode 28, Mommy's in the Woods. Um, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us today. Um, as always, please consider supporting the great companies that support our show. They make it possible to do what we do. Um, Carolyn, what do you have for us next week? We'll see. Oh, you know. <laughs> so we still don't know. All right. I like when you keep us in suspense. Um, Carolyn, anything to add this week? Nope. We absolutely appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening and um, stay tuned for what I've got cooking up for next week. All right. Uh, thank you again for listening, Murder Chronicles Nation. Uh, look forward to catching up with you next week. Until then, stay safe. The Murder Chronicles is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself, music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.